Hello, hello, hello. We are back and we are the Run a Duo. Yes, yes, Mitchell. yes. And I am India Cook. What's up, guys? What's going on? It's been another, it's been a, well, okay. So we're, we're recording this a little early. So we're recording mm-hmm. this on actually August 29th on Saturday because of our great guest that's coming up. Yes. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, we had to accommodate her. So we decided to just go ahead and record the whole thing. Um, today. So if anything happens from August 29th to Thursday, come on, calm down. We just, we recorded yeah. early, so don't get mad. <laughs> um, what's up, exactly. Indy? How you doing? I am good. I went for a run this morning. I am doing good. I did the Atlanta Track Club, um, DeKalb Four Maller this morning, the virtual race. So I'm feeling good. Feeling good, feeling great. I'm ready for a nap, but I'm feeling good. Feeling good. <laughs> yeah, I got out this morning. I, I've, I've started getting some longer runs in because I don't want to go out and embarrass myself on the group run for the race. So mm. I've been putting some longer runs in. I did 10 miles good. this morning. Um, uh, it was a little bit of a struggle. It was a little uh, humid this morning for me. So a little humid. It yeah. was so humid this morning. Like I literally walked out the door and I felt like it slapped me in my face. I was like, "Shit!" <laughs> yeah, it was. It was definitely humid out there today. Oh yes, yes. But you know, you get it done and keep it moving. My whole thing was, you know, I talk about all the time consistency, and I, I think I'm back. Um, I think I was telling you this before we started recording. This month, it looks like I won't hit 100 miles. Would be the first time I hit 100 miles like since 2019, since February 2019. That is amazing. 100 so, miles is awesome. Yeah, so I'm trying to get my consistency, and then I'll get back into uh, some track work. Which, speaking of track work, how you gonna come into my neighborhood, go I- on my track, and not call nobody? I saw you. Listen, I did. And so I text. So you guys, I did track work on Thursday because it was on my training plan. We'll talk about that training for the, the PNC 10 miler. But I was really excited. And I was like, you know, it's track work, but I don't know where I'm going to get on a track. And the track that I always go to is Tucker track when I live closer to you guys. Yeah. And I was, I text Heather and I was like, is it open? She's like, I mean, I think it has been open, but I don't know what it is. It is like on the week on during the week. And I was concerned about the football players being out there, and they were. So even though school is virtual, from my understanding, they are also doing the track. Their track, the, not track. Excuse me. The guys are playing football. Like there's no, they're playing football. Oh like yeah, nothing yeah. Happening. Oh, I mean, I don't know if Indy, you know where you live. You live in Georgia. They gonna yeah. play football if there's a hurricane. This is this is GA. <laughs> That's true. This, this is dirty, true. dirty. So they gonna play they football. So I know they were out there. Yes, they were out there. So yeah, I had a good track workout. I did six 400 meter repeats. So that was very interesting. I hadn't hit the track since like last September in 2019. So it was definitely an adjustment for me, something that I definitely needed and enjoyed. But it was definitely one of those things where like, I feel like Tommy track work will tell you where you are. Like it will tell you the good, bad and ugly between it just yes 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 like track work will tell you everything so a track work and a marathon were literally long runs will tell you kind of really where you are exactly. but um I was really excited the track work helped like I feel like it was not as bad like I feel like I'm in a better place than I was last September and so that's awesome like I was a- actually able to get through my my 400s I wasn't cutting short or doing any of that so I was excited about it very excited Good, good. Yeah, I saw your little Instagram. I was like, wait a minute. 
That's Tucker. She, what the hell? She done came over here. <laughs> exactly. Done come over here. Okay. Anyway. I said, I, you know, I was like, Tommy over there being a daddy. You know you won't go have no time. Yeah, I wasn't going. On Thursday, I wouldn't have been able to make it. I, I, <laughs> that's my problem with track. Because I like to run early. Like, I get up at like 4 in the morning. I like mm-hmm. to get it out of the way. It's hard after work for me to get out and run. So I, I applaud you that you can actually do that. It's just. I, I don't know if I eat too much during the day or something, but by the time mm-hmm. the end of the day comes, I'm sluggish and I'm like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, I think everybody's body is different. And I think it probably would be better if I was to do it in the morning time. But fortunately on Thursday, it was a very bad, like a, the overcast was really high. It was like a lot of overcast, a very cloudy. And so it wasn't like beating down sun. So I appreciated that. You know, of course I was sweating because it was 400 many repeats, but <laughs> it wasn't as bad as the humid run that I did this morning. So I gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. Now, before we get too far into it, I want to talk real quick. I, I don't know if you guys have listened to us over time. Um, myself and, and Darrell, um, who was also a former guest, and he was the uh, leader of the Real Runners of Atlanta. I don't want to say he was a leader, but he was a part of the Real Runners of Atlanta podcast. Um, we have a little bet going uh, for the London Marathon for Kipchoge and Bekele. So I mm-hmm. think we talked about it. We must have talked about it a little bit on the last episode. Yep, y'all I got we a, did. I got a little, I got a little hit in my, um, in my comments on my page, Team Edge 68, from mm-hmm. uh, uh, Philip King, uh, P. King Duck, and he was like, "Oh, I take that." He's like, I- "I'll take Kipchoge." So you know what I said? I take that bet. So any anybody else out there that want to put, you know, we we're not betting money. It's gonna be something we haven't figured out what it is yet, but it'll be something mm-hmm. fun. Um, mm-hmm. But I- I'll take anybody's bets. I'm still gonna stick with my boy uh, Bekele. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to let y'all know, anybody else want to hit me up in the DM or in my comments about y'all, you want to bet me on this, or if anybody want to take my side with Bekele, I'm with you as well. Yeah, I'm not going to get in on a bet, but I'm definitely thinking Kipchoge on this, but hmm, we'll see. Man, put your money where your mouth is. Come on. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And just kind of, and just let y'all, this is all in fun. It's, it's, it's it's all in fun. So, uh, let's just enjoy it. Now, yeah. um, the next thing that we kind of, I kind of wanted to talk about, well, RIP for uh, Chadwick uh, Bozeman. I know he's not yes. a runner, but I'm sorry. He, he, that's the Black Panther, y'all. So I yeah. got to kind of give him a little rest in peace that uh, we just found out, at least this morning, um, is when I found out that he had passed away from colon cancer. He must have been asleep last night. Yeah. I, well, you, dude, I, I got a kid. I go to sleep. Um, and I was getting up to run in the day. So I, I yeah, I yeah. Didn't go to bed. But yeah. um, I also want to talk about it because colon cancer is something that is prominent in the African American community. Um, mm-hmm. Just in general, it's the third most common cancer for men and women, but it's 20% higher in occurrences. Um, African Americans are have a 20% higher in occurrences over um, Caucasians or white people. So guys mm-hmm. get checked. It's out there. It's a killer. Um, but if you catch it early, it's a lot of times you can, you can, you know, handle it, but just listening to his story, cause it sounds like he was shooting movies while he was going through chemo, while he was having these mm-hmm. operations. Mm-hmm. I always liked him, um, because I felt like he could immerse himself in any character and right. he did a, a great job of it. And he was multidimensional, not only in his acting, but I think he was multidimensional in his just real life. He was just a good guy. So I just wanted to say RIP for him. Yeah, definitely. And I think that just what you said, I mean, 
Black Panther came out in 2018 and he was diagnosed in 2016. So like for me, it sounds like he definitely was. And he's had several amazing movies since then, since Black Panther, um, that, that obviously he was definitely battling and pushing through the bouts of cancer, um, you know, in the process of being an amazing actor. So I definitely, that's a, definitely a loss for us again in 2020. So definitely rest in, rest in power to him. Yes, and definitely. And one last thing, and then I'll let you get going, uh, India. One last thing. <laughs> so I just want to applaud the Milwaukee Bucks uh, for uh, their boycott of their playoff game. Um, they, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was the uh, young man in uh, Wisconsin that was shot seven times in the back by a police mm -hmm. officer. Mm -hmm. But what I just really wanted to uh, say, because I, I've heard a lot of comments online, like why are they not playing for this one guy? And just to let y'all know, they're not playing for more than just one guy. They're not playing for George Floyd. They're not playing for Breonna Taylor. I mean, that was the, that was the reason. And they did not just uh, boycott their playoff game, which it was actually postponed. They didn't end up having to forfeit anything. But also, they took it the next step and actually contacted the um, government or the governor of Wisconsin to get a bill passed to help make sure these things don't happen again. So I just wanted to applaud them for athletes, you know, realizing that it's not all about sports. There's other things going on in the world. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that is the biggest thing about it. And I think that the, the distraction of other people, like distraction of sports has been, or there has not been a distraction of sports until recently. And I think that now they just started back up with the NBA and now the, another another young man is, has been harmed by the hands of the police. And it's just one of those things where I think them taking a stance makes a, is a big deal um, because obviously that's money on the table. When, when NBA games don't go on, that's money that's being lost. And I think that it, it'll, it can really hopefully for, force some hands to get some change to happen. Exactly. And I, that's really all I wanted to say about it, but I just wanted to applaud them because I, I thought that was a great thing. And they were actually getting ready to play my team, the Orlando Magic so mm -hmm. uh, I was looking forward to watching the game myself. And when I, I saw that, I was like, yeah, that, that's probably the, that was the right thing to do and what's going on right now in the world. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Now, uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about, because you already kind of mentioned it, the 10 miler that's coming up. I signed up for it as well. But kind of tell yes. us a little about this, this 10 miler and how different it's going to be from the 10 miler we're used to running here in Atlanta. All right, so yeah, I am really excited about the 10 miler. So instead of it being in the city, going through the city for 10 miles, um, it actually started at Atlantic Station and went through the city um, and through Midtown area. It is actually going to be in Brazelton, Georgia on a racetrack. And I'm so excited about that. So of course, due to COVID-19, it is very typical, damn near basically impossible at this time for any of the race directors to get road closures, um, to have road races. but Atlanta Track Club has found strategic ways to actually have the race at a racetrack. Um, Atlanta Track Club has done races since the pandemic over the last two months, um, and they've done some really strategic things to ensure that there is more safety when it comes to racing. So what they have done is what, or what they will be implementing as well as what they've done in the past with a couple other in-person races is when you register for the actual race, you have to register for a time slot. So you pick a time slot that you will be starting. 
They're, they're not allowing any more than 25 people to start at a time. And you show up for your time slot only. There is no mingling and chilling before and after the race, <laughs> which is what I'm going to miss, Tommy, right? Like, yeah. I love that. And so it's literally like you show up, you go to the start, and like you take off, you do your race, you go home. And it's like, wow. Like, yeah, that's going to be really interesting. So you show up for your time slot, you race your time slot before and after the race, anytime that you are not running. You definitely have to have your mask on. They are not requiring masks while you're working, while you're actually running. Um, but they do say you have to have it on before and after. They are also doing temperature checks. And unfortunately, there won't be any spectators. So I'm really sad about that piece, but I, I understand it. But so Tommy and Trey and Braxton won't be able to come see us at this race. Um, and I think it actually is going to be a really cool experience, but unfortunately, but that's okay. So for the 10 miler, Tommy, we're going to be running five loops on the course. I'm excited about it. I know I saw the course and I did some YouTube views of the course. It's definitely going to be hilly. Atlanta Track Club actually announced it as the extreme hill edition. So mm. it's definitely going to be rolling hills the whole 10 miles. Well, wow. If that's the extreme, because the other 10 miler had cardiac hill in it. So if they call in this the extreme hill edition. It must be worse than <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And Tommy, you know, you know what's crazy is that I signed up for it like two weeks ago. And then they that's when they launched the Wingfoot magazine and had the Extreme Edition title in there. And I was like, well, shit, what did I sign up for? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I'm looking forward to it as well. I signed up for it. I think I signed up for the same time slot as you and, and a lot of other people that I already know. Uh, yeah, I did but, 8 o'clock. Did you do yeah, 8? What yeah, time you I did for? 8 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a lot of us that I know are in eight o'clock. I feel like we're filling up the whole eight o'clock and then it then it's like race over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely looking forward. I'm looking forward to just getting out and running in a group. Yeah. Um just kind of you know, just a side note, I guess. Um, because I actually purchased because we were talking about masks. I purchased yeah. the Under Armour sports mask. Um mm -hmm. and actually I haven't I'm not running because I'm not I don't run in a mask. So but right. I purchased it because I just was tired of all the other masks that I, I got. They don't fit right. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, they're, they're very, I don't want to say suffocating because I don't want to, you know, say that, that they're bad masks, but I just didn't like the way they fit. I really mm -hmm. like this mask because um, I've worn it out a few mm -hmm. times just as my, my regular mask. Mm -hmm. It's very breathable, very breathable. Um, and also, you know, a lot of masks, I don't, do, do you wear glasses all the time? I yep. You do, okay. I do wear glasses. You be fogging up when you breathe. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this one has yeah. a good a nose clip that kind of okay. keeps you from fogging up, but I, I mm. bought it on purpose because I knew if I was ever going to run in a race, I might not have to wear it while I'm running, but I definitely mm -hmm. going to have to have one on afterwards. And I didn't want to use a paper, you know, a paper mask, um, after right. running a race, I wanted something that was made for you know, absorbing sweat or, you know, wicking, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. this, this is why I picked that mask. Yes. Um, I think you're like the second person that's mentioned that that mask was, was a good one. So definitely maybe worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, I did want to say something else that I, I checked out. Um, it's, a, it's an app. It's called Charge Running. And actually, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, they are one of the sponsors of the race. Um, yes. So basically, it's virtual group runs. It is it's mm. led by someone. They are, they're live. They have a live version. They have virtual races. Um, 
and then they have what they call on demand, which is one that was live at one point, and now you can just go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. So I used it on my 10-mile run last week. I didn't mm-hmm. do a live one, um, and the reason is because they basically start on the hour. I, 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 you know, when I get up and I'm ready to go, I'm going. You know, I, I didn't right. want to wait until 6 or 7. I just wanted to get out the door. So I used mm-hmm. one that was on demand. I did one that was a 90-minute one for on demand. Actually, the only drawback that I had for it was they picked the music. Like, you had no way of playing your own music. Mm, um, so they picked okay. the music, which, you know, and at first I was like, okay, this music is really not good. Then when it got to the part where you're actually, because they actually kind of walk you through it. They kind of, you start off where they kind of warm you up, help mm-hmm. you with your stretching. Then they start you out slow. That's when they had the music that I really wasn't that interested in. But when they started hitting the strides, they were playing like Beyonce and, you know, music that I was used to that I, I kind of like. But I think if they could change that where you can actually play your own music but still have mm-hmm. the person talking, um, that would be a benefit. But I would say it really felt like I was on a group run because the, the young lady that was talking, that was that was uh, running the run, mm-hmm. she, you know, she she call out people, hey, so-and-so's on, on, on the run with this, so-and-so's on the run. So-and-so's at so many miles right now. So-and-so's at so many miles. And it actually made me want to run faster. Because I was like, Nice, because you were like, let me catch up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it felt like, because that's how I feel on group runs. I feel like right. I want to try to, you know, kind of compete. So I actually liked it. Now, it's not free. It's, uh, it's, they do have a free trial. So if you just want to try it out. And actually, you don't have to do a run. If you want to just listen to a live one, because even mm-hmm. some of, she was saying, oh, so-and-so is listening in. Um, checking us out. So you can just kind of listen in if you want to, but it's called Charge Running. And I would recommend checking it out. It's worth checking out. It might not be your cup of tea, but if you are a person that enjoys group runs and this whole COVID-19 has kind of kept you away, this is a good way to get that that feeling. Um, because yes. it definitely, I definitely felt like I was on a, a group run with other people by the, the way this young lady was handling and running the run. Now, like I said, this was an on-demand. This wasn't live. I would like to try a live one so they can say my name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, right, uh, exactly. I, I, I think I will. And, you know, if I, if I do, I'll definitely let you guys know. Yeah, I think that that's awesome. You know, I was thinking about trying some guided runs. I think that that's something that I have not really tapped into. Um, but I think guided runs may be very beneficial. And like you said, someone actually telling you, you know, telling you some things. Now, I did when Atlanta Track Club had the women's 5K, they did play their own music, which was interesting. I think it was still a good, a very good playlist. And you had basically like the host or the commentary person in the back, you know, not saying you're almost there, but like you're doing great. Keep pushing it. You got this, like that encouragement. And I think that can take you to a different level when you're working out and running. Oh, yeah, most, most definitely, most definitely. Yes. Um, now um, we did have, and I'm sorry, Indy. Did you have something else? I, I'm sorry, I didn't want to go. No, go ahead. You're fine. Um, I was going to get into now. Of course, we all know that um, since we last spoke, the Petrie Road Race has been switched to virtual. It hasn't been canceled. Mm-hmm. It's been switched to a virtual race, like many races have um, across the country, um, and. It's affected people very differently. I don't know, India, you, of course, you're an ambassador, but did you look at any of the comments of, from people to Atlanta Track Club about it? Oh, I looked at plenty of them. Um, and of course, I have connections at Atlanta Track Club, and I know some people that were doing the 
responding back as representation of Atlanta Track Club. And I gave them love. I texted them and gave them love. But I think because I think that the irritation, the hate, the frustration, the comments that were in and going towards Atlanta Track Club, I personally feel were unnecessary. Um, and I definitely feel like it was I understand you can be frustrated with certain things, but this is not new. Atlanta Track Club isn't the first race that was a big race that has transitioned to virtual. It's not something that they can control. So I definitely felt like, you know, the Atlanta Track Club staff needed a little extra love because it was some people really coming for them. And, yeah. you know, we have to, you know, take the punches because we know that everybody's going to have their own opinion about it. And I respect everyone's opinion, but I definitely think that some of the comments were not necessary <laughs> that were being said well so. i mean most definitely as for someone who has worked most of my career well shoot, i work in the insurance industry i'm a claims adjuster how many times do you think i get yelled at for something that you mm -hmm. already known because it's on your policy? right so yeah. i completely understand where the atlanta track club is coming from and where you're coming from is in i understand you're upset but hey is it, let's not take it too far right. um now i think the whole reason a lot of people's upset is because and you might be able to speak to this better because I really didn't with me with races, it is what it is. You know, if, mm -hmm. if, if I once I once I put money out for a race, I put the money out for the race and I really don't think about it again. Um, there's many races that I have not run that I've lost money on major, you know, races you know, worth hundreds of dollars that I did not run. But, you know, it is what it is. But um, I think most of the upset was because they felt like they didn't get the option to get the refund once the, the race went virtual now mm -hmm. is that am i saying that correct or am i saying that incorrect how did it actually all kind of fall no that is correct okay. however so, so this is so i, I and i i want to say this as someone that is i'm going to remove myself as an ambassador as a, mm -hmm. of atlanta track club atlanta track club does not pay me <laughs> not for this at least <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not for exactly. this at least i've done some work with atlanta track club but this i'm going to remove myself as an ambassador and as as a runner i'm going to make this comment to that tommy mm -hmm. my thing is earlier this year well first of all COVID is affecting hella people all these races but earlier this year when when atlanta track club transitioned the race to thanksgiving day there was an option for refunds to be provided at that time mm -hmm. i feel like at that time there was a big choice like if you decided to defer not really defer but if you decided to stay within the runnings of doing the race and do it in november you basically were saying i am not going to receive a refund i'm going to in so many words to me take my chances on running this race in november now when i did that transition i knew that there was a chance that this was not going to happen at all races had already been canceled races for the fall had already been canceled let alone like anything like that like when they transitioned it to thanksgiving day there were so many races tommy that had already been canceled so that were scheduled for the fall so when they announced that it was going to be in thank on thanksgiving i i feel like it's common sense to know that it potentially could not happen so for people to be angry at the moment now that they're not receiving their refunds it baffles me because i'm like you had an option when you first signed up to get your refund and so you knew that when you took the option to do it in the fall that you potentially weren't going to get it and so i just i i just i think that that is where i get frustrated because i'm like it wasn't as if the option was never given to you you kind of yes. took 
you said chance when you said I'm going to do it in November. Now, if you and I mean, I think I mean at the time that they announced it for Thanksgiving, stuff was high alert. Like and and it and, and it still is, and it didn't look like full big races were actually going to be happening. So that's my thing on that. And I just think that it really goes back to the episode that we talked, Tommy, and we got information from Tess, a race director here in Atlanta. And it talks about like all of the things that these organizations and the race directors and these companies, the funds that they have to pump out to even do advertising, keep stuff going, anything that they've done, money is still spent. And so it's like, I, it just is one of those things where it's like, everybody's like, let me get my money back. And this isn't hundred dollar races. This is $35. <laughs> like... And I guess India, that's, that's don't, talk about, I no, don't talk about nobody's money. Right, $35 might be a lot of pocket, money But it's somebody. $35. <laughs> to somebody, yes, $35 may be a lot. But like for me, I have lost hundreds of dollars. Like the, the four like the, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have lost mm -hmm. hundreds of dollars within these cancellations of races. So I guess for me as an individual, I'm like, that's the choice that you, that you make. You sign waivers when you sign up for these races. These races still are businesses and they have to be able to still carry on. And third of all, it wasn't as if an option was never there. There's some races that options were never there. I've had races that they never even contacted me about a refund or told me that the race was canceled. I had to look on social media to find out that the race was canceled. So please, like, I just feel like Atlanta Track Club has done so much much and done so much in the midst of all of this and for there to be negative connotation to them it kind of frustrates me and, and that's outside of me being an ambassador which i completely and that's why i asked you because i wanted you to get it out i wanted because i mean we spoke before this we started recording yeah. so i did want you to get that out and also the fact that you do are so close with the atlanta track club i knew you would have mm -hmm. good information but just like you said when we talked to you know Tess back in the day um, on, on an earlier podcast about what these race directors have to deal with. Now, mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to go too far into um, Kim. Kim, uh, or they call her straight Kim. Um, she, I've interviewed her on Shut Up Tommy uh, for, uh, she does a, uh, like a trip for different marathons and half marathons to different parts of the country. Um, I'm sorry, to other countries. Um, but she has a podcast called The Runway. Um, now I did listen to it and I was telling you, I listened to it while I was running and also made me laugh because Kim, Kim did go in. If, if you, if you are on the side of you pissed off about the whole, um, Atlanta track club thing, you might want to go listen to Runway because, you know, she'll get you even pumped up more about why, you know, you, you should be pissed off. I'm not I, even publicizing that. Um, <laughs> like anyway, um, and maybe it's a, it's a podcast of somebody's opinion. So I always respect anybody's opinion. The, the thing that actually what that whole podcast showed me is that because this is she's out of New York. She does have family here yeah, in Atlanta. She she's in Atlanta mm -hmm. quite a bit. She's run the she's run the race. I think she said four times. This is Atlanta's race. And me and Indy kind of differ on this, but I don't feel the um, Peachy Row race is what I call a runner's race. And let me clarify that by saying a lot of people, this is the only race in, in Atlanta, this is the only race they run all year. Like they don't run any other races. This is a family tradition for them. They go out on the 4th of July and they do this together. A lot of people don't even run it. They walk the 10K um, because they just want to enjoy it. It's a great atmosphere um, when, when you're out there. So that's what I think that race is. Now, first off, it's the world's largest 10K as far as I remember. Um, mm -hmm. 
and it is put on by the second largest run club, um, which is here in Atlanta. And in Atlanta, we take a lot of pride in this race, even though there are some points that Kim made that I agree with um, because I feel like, you know, in, a, in what I call a runner's race, the medal is the thing. And you get the medal right at the finish line. In the Peace Tree, you don't. It, the thing is not the medal, it's the shirt. But if you're not from Atlanta, you might not know why that shirt's so important because the shirt from the beginning of the Peace Tree Road Race has been the reward. Um, in today's world where you get a medal from everything from a 1K to a marathon to an ultra, um, medals are the thing. But there was a time if you didn't win the race, you didn't get nothing but the shirt. So that's a big thing with the peace tree is a shirt and, you know, showing it later. Uh, you know, I have not loved every shirt that the peace tree road race has put out, but that's the thing. And I've, I've come to accept it, but listening to Kim, her not being in the Atlanta area, I can see her opinion on it. her opinion of, we don't get the medal at the, at the, at the finish line. You got to pick it up at the, um, at the expo at one, I, I don't know how long ago they start doing medals four or five years ago. Yeah, but I also think that, so my, my feeling about the medal being given to you at the expo, this is not a 2,000 people race. Like this is 60,000 people that do this race. So I think that there's logistics that potentially could come into it. I feel like that's a small thing well, I mean, irritated yeah, about in regards I, to the race. I, and like, I'm not I feel putting like a whole bunch of thing on it because I've actually said it to Jay, you know, about it. Mm -hmm. And I understand, you know, mm -hmm. they ain't changing anything. It sells out every year. So, of course, they're not going to change right. it. So, they don't need mm -hmm. to. But I've said it. I said, I wish they would do a tech shirt and they would hand us the medal at the finish line. I, I've said That's that not before. the tradition of it. Yeah, yeah. And I've said that as yeah. well. Like, I would prefer a different type shirt and I would prefer... You know, I mean, I get the medal. Some people don't agree with having to pay for the medal. Like, and that's, you know, people's opinion. But I think that people don't, people that um, don't understand or respect the tradition of the Peachtree Road Race have different feelings about it. And I definitely think that it just depends on where you come from. If this has been your race. I know for me, it's a, it's a race that's dear and near to my heart because it was my first ever race, like ever in life. So it's my first ever race. I'm born and raised in Atlanta. My dad ran the race. I ran the race. So I think that I just have a different viewpoint on it. And, my, and that's the point I'm making. People in Atlanta mm -hmm. think differently about this race than maybe somebody from mm -hmm. somewhere else. And I, that's what I right. really got a lot from listening to Kim talk about it. Because I guess if I didn't live in Atlanta, if I was from you know Miami, um, mm -hmm. maybe I would think differently about it, about yeah. you know, the, the whole issue. So that's kind of that's kind of what I took from it, but I did want to number one speak on the the cast, you know the the peace tree going virtual, and then I wanted to speak on some of and the only reason I really am using the runways because that's the easiest one to talk about. I didn't really go. I'm not big on going through comments on uh, okay. on Instagram, but mm -hmm. it's from what I'm I'm telling, there was a lot. Of right. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of commentary about it. There was a lot of concerns about finances in regards to Atlanta track club and things of that nature. And I guess I just, it's just interesting to me that people pick out Atlanta track club to be the one to talk about when there's so many other things. If you want to dove into Ironman and all of the, their financial concerns and what they're not doing and what races are given refunds or whatnot. So I just think it's interesting when people decide to, to highlight one particular person and or company and not give kind of the pros and cons to it all i just find yeah, it that's exactly, for me is exactly. not like well, i feel like if you're going to talk about it give the give various sides of it 
Yes, exactly. But, you know, that's the world we live in now. That's, you know, mm-hmm. you and I have a podcast. Anybody can have a podcast that they can, you know. Yeah, everybody has their own opinion. <laughs> and I respect everybody's opinion. <laughs> and how they opinion. want to run their platform. <laughs> well, I mean, and like I said, I, I agree with some things, but then some things I'm like, well, you know what? It is what it is. Um, you know, hey. I'm going to move on with life. Um, I'm not gonna get but we down here in Atlanta, we good. We gonna uh, we gonna <laughs> run the peace tree again whenever it comes. Me and Tommy not butt hurt over thirty five dollars, so we're good. Love you, Atlanta Track Club. <laughs> well, I, I hope it does come back because you know, basically for for race direct. I mean, I haven't heard of any race directors going out of business here in Atlanta, but in other mm-hmm. places, I have heard of races race companies going out of mm-hmm. business because of COVID nineteen and them not being able to hold um, yeah. live races so I, I do hope atlanta track club after this can come back just as strong or stronger um yeah. after this whole covid thing yeah hopefully i mean they did do an announcement and an article came out through runners world that they are furloughing employees for the month of december all of their employees for the month of december for atlanta track club but i don't think that there's any different than all of these layoffs that are happening new york road runners definitely got rid of their company they got rid of hella employees on their team too so i just think everybody's suffering through this covid thing and we just kind of have to roll with the punches and what does test say we just have to pivot so that's what we're gonna do and we're gonna, we gonna pivot, pivot to that race yes <laughs> we're gonna, pivot, we gonna to pivot to that race, race. <laughs> <laughs> now if you didn't hear uh indy and i are being included in the whole um virtual expo um I think, for the um, race that takes for, place for, in October. Exactly, for the race that's going to take place in October. So um, we'll get more information on that coming. But just to let you know, we'll, you're going to see our smiling faces um, during that time period. But I'll let Tess, you know, because there's some surprises in there that you guys are going to love. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about what that has to come. And I'm, I'm happy for a lot of these racers and, and races and race directors to be being very creative with still trying to keep things on the forefront, keep things going. And the fact that it's going to be a virtual expo and it's going to be entertaining for all, I'm just really excited about it. Oh, it's going to be entertaining. Y'all better tune in. Mm-hmm. You don't know what I might do. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Um, I do want to uh, thank uh, the uh, virtual race, the, the, guy, the people that put on the Divine Nine virtual. I did that. Um, got my medal. Thank you very much, uh, everyone. Well, you know, it's t- it's that time again. I need to bring on our guest. Yes. Please listen to our, our, our next guest. We had a great conversation with her, so really take a listen. And we are back here at the Run Duo, and Duo. we have a, a wonderful guest today, um, yes. Alia. Anamdi. I'm sorry if I said it incorrectly. Did I say that correct for you? <laughs> go ahead and pronounce it for yeah, us. Yeah, go so ahead and Tommy pronounce it correct. Your name. Again, do you want it, do you want it the Saudi way or do you want it the American give way? Us, give it to us both. Give us both. What's your name um, the Saudi Arabian way and then also American? My name in the Saudi Arabia way is Alia Al-Ghamdi. I don't expect anybody to say even <laughs> half of it correctly. Uh, my name in the American way uh, I'd call it my way. Um, Alia Agamdi. Alia, okay. Alia Agamdi. Well, yeah. once again, it's great to have you on. And just for our listeners, as we get started with the interview, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm a professional athlete from track and field. I lived in, I, I lived, I, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I, uh, lived between Europe before and now I live inside in, in America. I'm a full-time professional athlete in track and field. 
I hold the record for the 60 meter and I'm working every single day in and day out and everything in between to get to the 100 and the 200 and hold the record in three events and of course become the fastest female in Saudi Arabia. Um, I plan to get to the Olympic for 2021 and um, to represent my country in, in the game. That's, wow, that's all. I like those goals. Those are big goals. Yes, we, like, amazing we, goals. we love those goals. <laughs> so tell us, and we always ask anybody where because we pretty much interview runners most of the time. Um, how did you get into running? What was your start? Uh, good question. Uh, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. There is no sport whatsoever for females ever. Like it doesn't exist. You didn't see sports in school, high school. Like it's something, it literally does not exist. Um, I've always been too active. I've always been done, done a lot of stuff. I grew up with seven brothers and I've always mm. liked to play with boys, hang out with the boys. I have like, this is like something I grew up on, but I always noticed when the boys want to run, when the boys want to do something, I've always, I cannot do it because or ride bikes. And my mom, they always say, are oh, you going to lose your virginity? And if you lose your virginity in Saudi Arabia, nobody can marry you. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. You can't run, obviously. You can't do extreme sports. You can't jump. You can't do anything. But I've always done it. And I've always been grounded for doing it. And of course, as I grew up, I moved, my life took me to Europe. And first thing I was curious about is surfing, riding. Anything has to do with speed, either fast cars, surfing, bikes, running. So I started to get into myself into running. And I started doing long marathons. This kids kind of meditate. And you just go on and you just run and run and run. Uh, for a while, I started doing surfing and I become a professional surfer. And um, Saudi Arabia even knew about it by then. I was literally the only female, I think, from Middle East until today who can ride and get in waves. As I moved to Hawaii, I started to get more into between running and surfing. Saudi Arabia, I think they heard about me that they said, okay, we hear that somebody in America that they are passionate about sport, even though we don't have sport in Saudi. Would you mm -hmm. want to be able to train? and maybe get into running or get into any sport that you like. So they did support me. Uh, I got support and I moved to Dallas and I started running the 100 and the 200. And my coaches see a lot of me and they believed in me and they started putting me into competitions. And you, your goals start to get bigger and bigger. It's like, okay, nobody's running from Saudi Arabia. Why not I become mm -hmm. it? Why break barriers? and um change the game for females in Saudi Arabia running is the only thing to present freedom to be honest because when you I think it's natural for human and animal when we are afraid for some from something when we are afraid we run away from something or when we want something we run toward it so running always represents going away from something or going towards something mm -hmm. um, I, this is I think this is one of the main reasons that I always they say run away or she's running to me or she's running to somebody. It's just like always running has to do with freedom and speed. Right. So, this is nice. maybe. That's awesome. So you mentioned that, you know, in Saudi Arabia was connected to being in sports was connected to losing virginity. Can you go elaborate a little bit on that? Is that just because they felt like you were going to be around other um, like men and that there was an option to where something could happen or just in general, like the way that the sports were facilitated? No, it's not about men doing anything. No, completely not. It is just okay. mentality. In Saudi Arabia, we have something until today is called arranged marriage. And right. that girl is a must marry virgin. Like it's something maybe you can read about in line. Maybe the audience mm -hmm. will educate themselves a little bit about Saudi Arabia. There is something called honor killing. If a girl loses her virginity for whatever reasons, 
uh, the father has the right to kill her and nobody can say anything. So it's like, we grew up mm. in this theater, like your virginity is everything. Wow. And so one of the reasons the mother will protect their daughter, we, they think, I don't know, the female parts, there's something, it's called ten or something that represent a woman's virginity. If it breaks, I mean, you don't have, you're not virgin anymore. Mm -hmm. So they thought it was too light and it's too fragile. If the girl run or jump or ride a bike, he would break and nobody, I mean, she will become not virgin. So mm -hmm. that's one of the reason my mom and my parents would always like hard on me. Don't run, don't, and I just loved it. Mm -hmm. I, was, I grew up, I, I look at my childhood, I grew up always punished, but happy. Right. <laughs> I was just about to ask. Good, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. We call that good trouble. Yeah, we. Right. <laughs> we call that good trouble. Yeah, so, we're just like, what was your age? Yeah, yeah. What was your age? Because I know you said you moved to to Europe, and that's when you kind of got into surfing. How old were you at this point? To be honest, I have never ever kept on with age. It's somebody. It's, it's a really good. This is something I'm sure the audience or you guys, even myself, have find it very interesting. All the people around me find it very interesting. In Saudi Arabia, when I was born, me and my other brothers, we were born in, in the village. There is no birth certificate. There is no hospitals. My, grand, my two grandmoms helped my mom getting, give, giving birth to me in the house for many, many, many years until maybe six or seven, eight brothers. I will, after we, I'm eight out of 10. Uh, there was a new king and everybody's told to go to the hospitals and started adjusting their dates. Uh, we don't have, we have a different, um, uh, we have a different calendar in Saudi Arabia. It's not, it's, it's called um, Hijri, Islamic Hijri. No one uses Gregorian in Saudi Arabia. So we don't have birth certificate. No one have birth certificate. I personally don't have birth certificate. And my school knows about it. And the embassy knows about it. And they find it very strange. I don't have birth certificate. My friends call me timeless. <laughs> Curious, so, all my, so they give us literally random dates and random numbers like to the point like my younger sister she's all four years older than me and my other two brothers are registered in the same date and the same year and the same month so it was completely random chaos just because some piece of papers so I really I live my life I never ever keep up with the A's I just keep going but so Oh wow. wow! I think everybody should take that one up. I would Listen. like to take that. I don't. I don't <laughs> want to. Hey, starting yeah, today, I do not have an age. Thank you. Right. As long as you're still feeling good, you're able exactly. to do what you want to do, and you can push forward. Hey, age is nothing. That's awesome. That's, this is, this <laughs> is the proof. Yeah. This is this is the proof. Now, yeah, um, awesome. when you, because from what it sounds like, it almost sounds like you you when you started running. Did you consider yourself to be um, elite as far as, because I mean, I know there's not a lot, you know, like you said, there's not female athletes really in Saudi Arabia. So when did you think you went from just being a, a, just a everyday running, running for yourself to the point where now you have these goals to become, you know, Olympic, uh, an Olympic runner? When, when did that kind of change for you? To be very honest, uh, when I run in uh, when, when I run in in Europe, I, I still have uh, that record and stuff, like stuff that I run randomly, like join, like, um, uh, some like run for fun or half marathon. I, when I moved to Colorado, I had a great coach and I always think about him and I always give him credit somehow because he's the one discovered me and he's the one, he told me, Alia, his name is Coach Rick, Coach Ricky. He's, he's the one, he said, Alia, he, you growing on me and you're becoming really good and I think you need deserve to be somewhere that people would really see how good you are, what you're doing. And then he actually was coming to Dallas 
for some meeting meet or stuff and he said i would like you to come with me and take you to michael johnson facilities because they mm -hmm. need to see you and they need to train you on another level uh, so this is how i started nice wow yeah it's nice when you know if people see something in you and then they mm -hmm. help you get to that next level so that, that is really good to hear Right. How did your friend, your family transition or how did you, I guess, transition into being that athlete? I know you were saying you was always punished and kind of getting in trouble for doing things that your family didn't want you to do because of the culture. But I guess, how did they, have they accepted that change and that you're in this, you know, you're a professional now and try in going to the, or wanting to go to the Olympics, aspiring to go to the Olympics. Like, how did they accept that, that this is going to be your career? India, India, sorry. Um, I want to shock you a little bit. Everything I do at this moment, I have every support from everybody in the world except my family, and it's the yeah. truth. And, and oh, not wow. only that, it is not only that, my family don't even know. My family have mm. no idea. And I'm, this even, I used to be very upset about it, but mm -hmm. I made it to work for me instead of working against me. It's like, you know what? Yeah. I'm at least have the least support from the athletes, but I, yet I'm still going to do it by myself. Of course, I have people behind me, like great friends. and Yeah. People, but it's nothing like the blood related, uh, the blood related. None, no one from Saudi Arabia, Arabia or blood related person that um, a cheer for me or agree on what I do. And my immediate family have no idea that I'm doing what I'm doing because they are not into social media and they are not into mm -hmm. things like that. They have a different mindset. Right. I don't know what they're going to feel when they see me on TV. That's going to be another game for them. I right. don't know anything about all of it. That's, it's, it's, I, I can understand. And um, it's definitely, I guess, disheartening in a place. But I think at the same time, it shows your strength that you are doing something that you love and you still have, like you said, supporting people around you from social media, from your friends, from your coaches and people like us that you're out here trying to break barriers. Like that literally speaks volumes. Like you are wanting to be a representation of even Saudi Arabia, even though you may not be getting the support from them. You're like, I'm going to do this. And I just, just hearing you talk about that just really makes me just feel like, you know what, this could be the gate opener to maybe sports for ladies that are in Saudi Arabia and, and beyond. Like you could be the, the person that is like opening those windows. And I think that that is, that is just amazing that that potentially could happen. And I think that, that I give you kudos for that for sure. Thank you so much, Andy. I was thinking about it the other day. I was talking to one of my uh, for friends. I noticed it's like everybody gonna go to the Olympic, everybody, I guarantee you someone, I wanna find someone who would say, yes, I am like you, Alia, I don't have any blood or family related support, but I still did it. I think, I think I'm the only one and I think there is uniqueness in it. Sometimes there is loneliness and sadness, but you get out mm -hmm. of it and you say, you know what? No, I want to be that different person in a very, every positive way. Um, mm. first time it was the Olympic committee in Saudi Arabia did not want me to go and they stopped me for the first time. I trained the first four years and I was ready to go. And the Olympic committee told me, no, you're not going to go. And my mm. performance of course was not one of them. And now the second four years I worked it by myself and I said, no Olympic committee, no family, no nothing, just me by myself. Right. So talk, um, talk a little bit about that because Okay, so yeah, a big deal. when you were, you were originally invited, who originally invited you to represent Saudi Arabia? Was it the Olympic Committee of Saudi Arabia or, or how did that happen? And then 
what changed to make them rescind that invita invitation? Okay. Um, I get an, I trained by myself for the first four years and I have a personal support for, uh, for fund for my uh, training and traveling and competitions and paying coaches and all other stuff. And then I got an email from the sport authorities in Saudi Arabia. They say, hey, we hear about you and we know you're doing this and you're doing that. Well, the Olympic is coming in a couple of months and a few months and we would like you um, to run for us. I was like, okay, I'm ready. So they came, they looked, they saw me, they everything. And, but then they told me after a while, like literally a couple of, a couple of months from like really getting closer to the Olympics, they said, no, we can't take you. It's like, why? They said, because uh, I think I had a social media and they said, my social media does not represent a Muslim um, um, mm. conservative that's supposed to represent Saudi Arabia in this way. Uh, I have to cover my head. I have to cover my back scarf. I have to it's like, but this is a hypocrite. Well, everybody knows, you know that I am like this. Everybody now, why have to come to the, to the competition and have to cover my hair? But then they, they, they did not like my lifestyle and how I'm, even though I'm not doing anything wrong, according, like mm -hmm. I'm not breaking the law. Anything in my social media does not break the law in anything or any, like you could see it but they want the girls that they are more obeyness, like they more cover, they more conservative, mm -hmm. they more have no voice, have no- They want the form. traditional Saudi Arabian one. Uh, the yes, sir, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm gonna do everything you want. They want the person like that. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. Yeah, they want the scared one, have no voice, have no social media, have nothing, have no existence. And I'm not that kind of threats, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I've, it's okay for me to say these things, but this, this is how I feel and nobody can mm -hmm. say anybody that's your truth right yes. like that's your truth like, like that's how you feel and i i mean i i think it's okay to me <laughs> yeah. i think it's okay it's to okay. speak that yes. like it's okay to us on this on this podcast for you to speak that because that's your truth you know if you and and, and if they're it sounds like to me they want a traditional saudi arabian woman and you yeah. are you know you're not the traditional saudi arabian woman and that's fine and you are still you and you are who you are and you still are providing to the sport of running and providing to athletics and you should have the ability to be on a platform like the olympics the thing is with something i needed to highlight and i think about it until the other day some of my coaches have told me, Alia, I need you to go online and, and make a research because I don't think anybody in the history of sport have ever worked nine years straight on one sport, did not make a dime out of it. I did my sport for nine years. People say, I love my sport more than anything, or I love it. For, I did it for the love of the sport. But if the sport did not pay you, would you still do it? I did my sport for nine years, and I am the person who did the sport for the love of the sport because I did the day in and day out, too hot, too cold, too I travel, I, 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 just because I love it. I'm never working outside in 108 degrees for hours with my coach every day, or when mm -hmm. at 30 degrees. But again, it's, not, it's never for the money or anything. It just, you have to change the game. I wanna change the game. I want the girls in Saudi Arabia, when they think about sports, for the rest of their life, they will remember me because mm -hmm. I wanna do it this way and I wanna change it for them to give them yeah. a path. But if Alia can do it, let's all do it. Right, and leave a legacy. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I guess since we're on the conversation of the Olympics, I know that you aspire to be be in the Olympics for 2021. Are you concerned about the, the times repeating as far as getting into the Olympics and there being concerned about you being able to actually compete? Or what's your thoughts on that? 
Uh, my, uh, of course, I have a plan. If I am the fastest female in Saudi Arabia, if I, uh, if I hold the record for the 60 and the 100 and the 200, that's all I'm going to do. And then I will take it from there. I cannot talk further beyond this point. Were you connected with a coach or were you doing self-training? Are you asking me? I have a coach here. His name is uh, Kevin Dilworth. And I believe, like, I've been through a lot of coaches all over. I think he is the best of the best. And he's coaching me, another Olympic athlete, too. She's a long jumper. Uh, no, she's, she used to be a hurdles. And now she's 100 and 200. So her and I work every single day together with Coach Kevin. She was in the last Olympic, so she's going to the next one. I understand. Well, I mean, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you, the, your coach, that you, you like your coach. That's a very important thing, that relationship. I, I do have a question because throughout, you know, us talking to you, you have brought up issues that you've had with, you know, the Saudi Arabian um, Olympic committee, committee of how they want you to be. And, you know, they know that that's not how you are, but somehow they, you know, rescinded your invitation. Have you, has it ever crossed your mind um, to, to switch to another country where you might be more welcomed? Or is you, you know, like, you know, like, I mean, Americans are, we really don't switch countries too much regardless of what goes on. Um, has that ever crossed your mind at all? Uh, good, great question. I lived in England and I was offered, uh, uh, I was offered um, citizenship, but I, ha I, I was done with England and I wanted to move because I lived there for too long and I was four months away from getting my citizenship. But without would have given me more freedom but came to America, I never felt, I feel like this is home. And if I want to, I mean, you mean represent other countries, you mean, or become citizen to another country? Well, yeah, represent. Like, have you ever thought about, um, because of course, in the U.S., the whole point, you know, because that's, that's what I'm finding is a little different. Um, it sounds like with Saudi Arabia, they pick their Olympic team. It's not like here we have championships where you go out and if sure. you're top three, you're going to the Olympics regardless of whoever you are. Um, so have you ever thought about going to a country where it's more that way as opposed to, you know, a selection committee, you know, deciding whether you get to go or not? Um, to be very honest, if I would think about, I never thought about it, but if I would, I would lose the honor. I want the honor to represent my own country. I want to go through the, str the struggles and the ups and downs and the pain and the fear of being rejected again. I had the Olympic the first four years. It was like a child of mine. I felt like I raised it, took care of it, trained, trained, okay, we're gonna go to the Olympic and then they took it away from me. And now another year, so that's nine years. So this is my nine years of being a Saudi Arabian female athlete working so hard. If I would say, let's say America, for example, say, hey, Ali, I will let you go as an American and you didn't even have to match the American standards. I still want to go to the Olympic as a female athlete from Saudi. And I want to take the honor to carry my country's flag because there is no female ever have done it. And I want to do so much for sport and I want to represent my country in a great way that they would love me and appreciate me so much to honor me and say, hey, Alia, this is, you can take the flag for, for females to go to the Olympic this time. And I want it to be that because along the way in the future, some female will have to do it. I want to be doing it first. I don't want anybody to touch that flag before me. So, like I said, it will take away the honor of representing my own country if I would go to other country. That's a great answer. I love that. Yeah, and it sounds like that is what your motivation is, to be the first female, like you said, to carry that flag. And that's what motivates you and keeps pushing you through what we consider some of the obstacle, obstacles that you are encountering, and you are continuing to push through those. 
that's true. I, I be, people ask me, always ask me if it's like, do you miss home? And I was like, what is home? Home is not what you're born in. Home, where do you feel home? I feel home in America. I feel welcomed. I, anywhere I go, I feel people really appreciate me and respect me. I've never had any bad experience with American nations or people. But I feel like if I would go to Saudi Arabia, it's like, I love my home, don't get me wrong. You can take me out of Saudi Arabia, but you can't take Saudi Arabia out of me. It's my childhood, it's my, um, my father's memory, my home, uh, my mom, smell of your house, things I think people take for granted every day. But uh, the only way to, I'm not gonna say forget about it, is to put it inside of my emotion, is just to keep working hard and I say, okay, my family doesn't agree with me now, but when they see me up there on the TV, everybody will say, oh, that's my daughter, that's my sister, that's my cousin, that's my neighbor. They will say then, but not now. So it will be worth it. Definitely, definitely. So not only, I mean, obviously you are overcoming a lot of obstacles in regards to, to your culture and obviously being a female. How are you right now? I know you are crushing training and doing well, but how are you processing through with the COVID-19 kind of pandemic that's going on right now? Well, I don't know if it's the right, sometimes I say things, I need to say something before I go further. Sometimes I say okay. people don't understand <laughs> it because I think, because I speak four languages and I kind of, when I translate things in my mind, when I speak, I kind of lose in culture and sometimes things come off wrong. Uh, COVID have, like we, like we see, that affected the world in um, very miserable ways. Um, when I was supposed to go for the Olympic for the last one, they said they postponed it. I, I remember I was in California at my friend's house and I cried and I cried when they postponed it. It's like, wow, this is another a year we have to work. I already worked eight years. And I remember calling my coach. I said, coach, they postponed it. Why does this keep happening? I'm supposed to go to the last one. I didn't. And then the next one is postponed. He literally told me, he said, Alia, why don't we take the best to make the, this time work for best of us and we work harder to get better. Mm-hmm. And it is true. I don't think I've ever been in the best shape in my life. I mean, all, I've always been in a good shape. I always work out, but I have never ever been in this greatest shape in my life during COVID because we worked harder because we knew we don't have weight room. So we have to work harder outside. We have to like, you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I got to work harder because the Olympic is coming. Nobody was training, obviously. The smart ones will take the best out of it, make it work for them. And some people say, I don't have a gym or I can't go. I'm afraid of this. Mm-mm. This is the time I think if I compete, I'm ready to compete to break records right now, if I compete right now. But um, like I said, uh, we took COVID and make it work for us instead of work against us. Right. I mean, I think Tommy and I have talked about that exactly what you just said on the podcast several times. There's going to be people that's going to come out of COVID and they may be not in the best place from when before they went in. And there's some people that are going to be come out and they're going to come to these races and they're going to do these things and they're going to be doing PRs and just really doing good, good things. And it sounds like you're going to be on the higher up of that. And that's awesome that you're continuing that motivation and using this downtime as as the time to continue to get stronger and stronger. Do you think that's everything in life? Not only sport, like everybody, this COVID time is like a test. People oh, yeah. drink even more and get more and more in bad habits or people create better habit and better themselves. It's just critical time. It can really it can go right or left. It can definitely. And I, I, yes, the answer to your question. Yes, I do feel like it is kind of shaping 
a lot of people's life in general. Um, I'm hoping that it would, I'm hoping that when COVID goes away and we can kind of what I call open the world back up again is I hope that we continue to curate the positive things that came out of COVID, meaning a lot of people are spending more time with family, with friends. A lot of people are finding creative things that they have going on with themselves. They're learning more about themselves because they're not out and about and hanging with a lot of people and, you know, being distracted by a lot of the things that are going on in, in society. Um, the good things that usually would happen. So we're not going to festivals and doing all of these <laughs> things that we would do every weekend. Yeah. So we're, we're at home with ourselves a little bit more. And I'm hoping that within this time frame, we are able to really reflect on those. And when it's time to open up again, we're able to say, you know what, I'm not going to do as much as this or that. I want to be able to work on myself. Or I want to continue the good time that I'm having with my friends and my family. I'm hoping that we definitely keep some of these habits intact. And it could probably be a very good thing from a lot of us. That's so true. That's very good. Mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I did want to ask, as uh, in the profile that was sent over to us, it says that you climbed Mount Everest. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> wow. That's now, amazing. That, I mean, you a big gold person. You really got right. I mean, what what I mean, what was it? Did you just wake up one day and say, you know what? I want to climb Mount Everest. And from just speaking with you, it sounds like that might have would have happened. But tell us a little bit about that story and your 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 progressing into actually climbing Mount Everest. Yeah, I was actually, I just woke up one day, I was like, you know what, I'm so bored, where is Mount Everest? And just took an Uber and went, and I'm just going to do the same thing, I'm going to hop up to the point. No, <laughs> it is like that. We were, um, uh, I can, I think we're laughing. <laughs> we're laughing. <laughs> we were um, 10 female Saudi Arabian girls uh, representing Saudi Arabia for women awareness for breast cancer. It was led by Princess Rima bin Bandar bin Sultan. Uh, you can see the link about it online. It's a, um, it's a women's journey to Mount Everest. We made it to the first uh, summit. And um, it was, uh, seven girls made it. The whole experience was incredibly hard and it was so cold and it was um, life-changing experience for sure. Uh, it was, I think, minus 15 degrees. Uh, minus 15 degrees up there. Um, nothing makes you cold. There is no trees. I have a lot of pictures. I wish I can. I wish I could share it somehow. You literally, you feel like you are walking in the moon. Like there is literally, literally a midget bus like walking in the moon. And then it gets, of course, all the snow and all the. Um, it teaches you humbleness and it teaches you not to take life for granted. Um, people sometimes they say, "Oh, you have nice stuff. You have fancy stuff. You have." You just sometimes you don't know anything. You're just born into it. Some people are born into type of life or type of style, any type of style. You just don't know any different. Uh, when you go to Mount Everest, you just learn that, wow, I had a pillow. Oh my gosh, I wonder what a pillow feels like. Or I wonder what is a running water feels like. Or a showers feels like. It just, it literally teach you how not to take everything we take for granted every day. Your bed, your fridge, your, you just simple stuff. So um, it, was an, uh, it was my choice. It was like learning how to become stronger and how to overcome obstacles and needs and desire that we think we need every day. But when you put in that place, you think, no, you don't need it. It's just survivor mode, which is life, I think. Yeah, wow. I mean, that, that's incredible. It, and it sounds like, I mean, like I said, just from speaking with you, it sounds like your goals are big and you accomplish them. 
And I'm really hoping um, that you get to accomplish the goal of carrying your country's flag uh, in the Olympics here in, in 2021. Now, was there anything that we may have missed in our interview that you wanted to, to talk about or let our audience know about? Uh, not to be honest, there is a lot of stuff that it can come and unfold as conversations like occur. But at this moment, I feel very happy and content. I shared some stuff that I needed to share about my upbringing, my country, my goals and dreams. And I'm mm -hmm. happy for today. And I really yes. appreciate this opportunity with you guys. Of course. And continue. I would just say thank you so much and continue to represent not only as um, a woman from Saudi Arabia, but also just a female in general. Like, I just think that it's just amazing showing your power and your strength and having these goals and crushing them and doing whatever you can and continuing to, to knock down barriers and breaking barriers into this world of ath athletics and sports and to this world of just being a female. Um, I think it's, it's a huge thing to be able to do that and to continue to push through and not be discouraged in the process. I would like to add one more thing before I finish. And I was just uh, a signature of our conversation. I don't represent Saudi Arabia and I don't represent America and I don't represent female. I represent myself and what shaped me and what made me the person I am today. And again, people cannot say, oh, all the girls from Saudi Arabia are like that or all mm -hmm. the females are like that. I don't represent anybody or anything. I just me. I represent Alia and that's it. There you okay. go. Yeah. All nice right. To hear that. Hey, hey Alia, if they want to follow your story, like anybody from our audience, how would they do that? Do you have an Instagram, Facebook, anything that they can, uh, you can give the information out about? I have my Instagram is called only underscore Alia, A-L-Y-A. And um, in my bio, you can click in my bio and you can see my articles. And um, I, I have Twitter, but I'm not a fan of Twitter. I'm not a fan of all these things. I have, I think there's other people running it for me, to be honest. <laughs> but my, my original one, my real, real, real stuff is in my Instagram, only underscore A-L-Y-A, Alia. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Well, once again, Alia, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day and out of your training to uh, speak with us. Um, keep those goals big. And like I said, I can't wait to see you walking um, in the opening ceremony of the Olympics carrying that flag. Oh, yes. So much. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You, you too. too. What a great interview. Oh, my gosh. She was amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. You know what, Tommy? We are doing, let me say this first. I think me and you, I'm just going to tell you, I'm a two of our own horns are doing an amazing job with getting different culture and di cultures and different backgrounds of runners on this show. And she just gave, I opened my eyes to just a lot of different things and things that like, we have a lot of work to continue to do in, in, in the running space or just in, in, as humans in general, but to learn about different cultures and how it affects people. It's just amazing. She gave some good stuff. What really showed me how strong humans are. She, that's what she's mm -hmm. showing me. Because mm -hmm. just listening to that interview, how she felt, well, she was told she couldn't do something. And look where she is now. You know, right. so, I mean, it shows that, I mean, yes, your upbringing means a lot. But mm -hmm. the human spirit is stronger to even oppression. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you so Definitely. much for taking time out of day to speak with us. That was a great interview. Yes. Now, mm -hmm. India. Yes. If they want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? 
Yes, well, you know I'm gonna have to shout out my YouTube first. So y'all go on over, please, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It is Miles from India. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at I underscore of underscore Indigo, which is E-N-D-I-G-O underscore runs. So that's I of Indigo runs. And you can also email me at milesfromindia at gmail.com. And you can email me at tmitch60, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can email me at thomaswmitchell, the number two, at gmail.com, or hit me up on Instagram at tmitch68. Of course, the Run Duo Instagram, you can hit us up there as well. Yes. So another oh, one in the books. Episode. Great episode, mm. great interview, and we will be seeing y'all in another two weeks. Peace.